So we're live. Well, a very good afternoon, good evening, good morning, wherever you are in the world. And thank you for <laughs> thank you for joining us on uh, SG Live. I'm of course joined by my wonderful co-host Terry. Hey, Terry, how are you? Good. How are you, Sonny? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. Tail end of my day, but I suppose at the beginning of yours. Beginning of mine. Um, it's uh, it, you know, it saves us from a lot of uh, mistakes you can make giving keynotes. You know, when you say, "Hey, thank you, this city," and you're actually in another city or something like that. You know, uh, <laughs> when you're worldwide, it, uh, it it kind of opens it up to everything. And what's what's more universal than safety, also? Yeah, well, exactly. Confuses the hell out of me. Hey, Terry, you know, we've got a packed show today. So let me let me sort of run through some slides and get things warmed up and then get a few uh, comments and engagement going. So a quick welcome first again. And as you know, with live shows, there's always gremlins. So please bear with us. We'll try and uh, persevere our way through this and uh, get it all working. Live chat is up and running. So if you're online, welcome to the show. And please do hit us with your comments and your thoughts. We'll pick them up and we'll certainly address them as we're going along. Now, Terry and I, when we got together, we want to put a whole bunch of shows which are very engaging. So let let you know that it's twice weekly, the shows, Tuesdays, Thursdays, three o'clock UK time. If you missed the show, because wonderful as it is, people are going to miss the show, do subscribe and go to the YouTube channel, Red Risks. You'll find them all there. And also, not to forget, there's an email address live at redrisks.com. Send it to me. Terry and I always welcome these emails and we'll be happy to respond to them all. I certainly, and I'm sure Terry would as well, will respond to each and every one of them. It might take a little bit of time, but we certainly will. So the format for the show today is very simple. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about the research that we've done in terms of safety leadership. And then we're going to have a open session because for us, for Terry and me, it's all about engagement, getting you folks out there to ask us questions and really just just challenge us. We'll do our best to tackle them as best as we can. That doesn't mean to say we have all the answers. You might have some of the answers. So do chat amongst yourselves. Do engage with each other and network because networking is going to be the new way forward. We all know that. OK, so Terry, I did a lot, long speech there, but I want to talk to you yeah. about something. When I was doing my research, I wanted to find something very specific about safety leadership. And I really struggled, you know, but I mean, for example, in the UK, we have the UK Health and Safety Executive. OK, and the UK Health and Safety Executive, when I went there, they have a, a section called why leadership is important. Then I thought, well, I'll persevere with this a bit more. And then I saw something about essential principles. Of course, being a government body, they don't really talk too much about stumbling blocks, which is what our show is all about. So to set the stall out for the conversations and to get everybody on the line, there's several of you now, to get into the conversation, I found one which was a little bit helpful. And that was from uh, the Kiel Centre in the UK, based in Edinburgh, fairly good think tank outfit. And Dr. Chiara Marti talked about safety leadership. I'm not going to share everything with you on there, but one thing I do want to talk to you about is a slide on that slide pack, which basically said um, safety leadership, process whereby an individual influences a group of individuals to effectively manage risk. So keep those words in mind process whereby an individual influences a group of individuals to effectively manage risk. Terry, do you think that's a good representation? I think that covers the high points of it, definitely. You know, the, the, the National Safety Council here in the U.S. gives an award every year that's called CEOs Who Get It. <laughs> and uh, I love the title. Uh, I, I don't always agree with who they give it to <laughs> because I, I know some of these people probably better than they do. But uh, th this is the idea, and I, I think this is where we're going today. Very few CEOs, very few leaders in organizations deliberately go out to damage safety. But they do it on a regular basis. And, and I see this all the time. I've actually asked to be on boards of directors of companies to keep the other boards of other directors of the company from going out and damaging their safety program. And that's one of the that's one of the things that uh, I, I think that one of the important parts of this topic that we're talking about here today, even if you have the best of intentions, 
for strengthening and reinforcing and leading your safety efforts, are you effective? Are you really doing what you need to do to do that? And are you inadvertently going out and doing some things with good intentions that actually do damage to your process? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was an interesting sort of definition because I might I might get toasted for this, but I, I tended to go away from talking about safety. Safety has got to the point in terms of words being used. It's it's a bit it's a bit like banging your head against a brick wall. You know, after a while you don't you don't feel the pain. And I thought, well, safety we talk about safety all the time, and I started to use the word risk. So for me, that particular definition was very useful because risk is about consequences and likelihood the product of. Now, in terms of leadership, then, do you think then, Terry, that leaders understand the difference between safety and risk? Do you think that could be one of the stumbling blocks then? Absolutely so. uh, And and again, the answer is yes and no. Some do and most don't. And I think that's the real problem. Uh, You've dealt with a number of companies over the years. How many CEOs, how many presidents, how many CEOs, leaders came up through the safety ranks? Well, very few of them. No, you know, I, I think they, they, they come up through production. They come up through, you know, uh, legal. They come up through accounting. They come up through other things. They become the the leaders of the company, and so uh, most of them delegate safety to a safety expert, a safety leader. And one of the questions I ask on a regular basis to these leaders is, I say, is safety a core value to your organization? And inevitably, they say yes. And I say, okay, what other core values do you totally delegate? Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. um, so, that sorry, to me gets to the gets to the essence of the fact that most most of these people are not safety savvy. They, yeah. they they care about safety, and they know that safety is something that can bite them if they if they don't take care of it. But uh, they don't. I don't think they really understand it, and I don't think they really understand how to lead it. And that's why they that's why they stumble over these things out there. But, you know, if you don't see the if you don't see the stumbling blocks in your path, you don't avoid them. Uh, And that's why I was hoping we could kind of point out some of them here today that would would help people to say, oh, am am I doing that? Am I stumbling over that? Am I doing that with good intentions and not realizing the negative consequences it has? Well, I mean, we're going to be covering a lot of stumbling blocks and. Maybe we might deluge our audience with too many, but let, let's start with that first stumbling block and, and pose the question to you folks out in the, in the, uh, in the chat um, area. So Dan, George, Salah, Daryl, all of you, the first question I want you to hit back with is that one that we talked about. Do, do leaders understand the difference between risk and safety? Just hit back with a yes, no not sure, okay? I'm just put yes or no, and we'll pick these up as we go along as well. So that's the first question that we want to throw out to the audience out there. And while the while the responses are coming in, because bear in mind we're a few seconds be ahead of the actual live chat discussions, we will follow up on them. So if leaders don't understand the difference between safety and risk, then there's obviously a challenge there. But are there other stumbling blocks as well then, Terry? Oh, sure. Uh, But, you know, you're getting to an even deeper subject, I think, that's more universal than just safety. And that is, do you realize what is a product and what is a byproduct? And safety is a byproduct of other things. If you're not managing risk, you're not going to get to safety. And going directly for safety is kind of like going directly for attitude. You know, I'm going to improve somebody's attitude. Well, not by talking to them about their attitude. You're not. You're going to have to manage those other things that influence it. That's why I love that, by the way, in that definition, the word influence. I'm seeing that more and more out there in the world. We're realizing that people do things for a reason. If we don't change the reason, we might not change what they do. So if people aren't safe is it because they aren't safe or is it because they don't understand the risk by the way if it if it helps and i've i've plugged this into a lot of organizations uh you know and we're going to talk next uh, next week about employee engagement. Well, one of the ways that you get employees engaged is to, to align their thinking. So if, if you if all of you out there today if you interviewed 10 employees in a focus group and you separated them out and said oh, what's your definition of safety how many different answers would you get? Are people really aligned on that? And I've, I've plugged into a lot of organizations. Uh, 
Einstein said, if you can't explain it to a five-year-old, you don't understand it yourself. So do you have a definition of safety that you could explain to a five-year-old? Would it be mm -hmm. simple enough and universal enough that they would do it? Now, can you change the wording a little bit and explain that to uh, a 40 year old, you know, who's been out in the workforce for a long time. And my definition of safety is simply this, these three parts. You have to know the risks. And that's what Sonny's getting at, I think, in, in here like yeah. that. If you don't know the risk, you're, you're blindly uh, working out there around things that could hurt you and you don't even know that they can. The second yeah. thing is you have to know what to do about the risk. Yeah. Now, organizations have the hierarchy of controls. We talked about that last week. So when they identify the risk, they say, can I eliminate it? Can I substitute it, et cetera, et cetera. They go down like that. Yeah. Where's the employee's hierarchy? You know, what do they do? Just, yeah. Sorry, Terry, I cut across you. Just yeah. to pick up on some comments here, I'm going to flick them up. I'm going to come back to Dang's comment in a minute. So George says, no, they don't understand the difference between risk and safety. Alita says, no, they don't understand it. So the general consensus that's coming across on the chat box is that they don't understand it. And Alita goes on to say, because they don't understand the risk, agree. Now, I want to come back to a comment that was posted by Dang. And Dang says, hi, Dang, by the way. Dang's on our stream team. Uh, so Dang, nice to see you. And Jorge, and in fact, nice to see every one of you on here. Um, Dang says, if you, are, if you are safety leadership, how can you help all peoples that you want to follow the way you want? Sometimes core values conflict with business. Well, I mean, gosh, yeah, that's a really good statement, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. And one of the reasons that, that uh, and we've talked about talking about strategy at some point in the future, one of the reasons I tell leaders of organizations, you have to be involved in forming your safety strategy. You can't delegate that to your safety professional. Most do. And what happens is the safety strategy conflicts with the organization operational strategy. So workers mm -hmm. are put in a dichotomy. Do I choose to follow my leader? Or do I choose to follow my safety leader? Do I do what's productive or do I do what's safe? safe out there. And you don't want that to be a dichotomy. You want safe production. You know, you want to put these two things together. But if the, the CEO is leading production and the safety guys leading safety, uh, you know, you, you, you create this dichotomy for workers to have to choose between one and the other. And leaders lead in a direction. They don't they don't conflict with each other. You know, good leadership is about influencing people one way, not influencing them six different ways and making them choose. And that's yeah, why I yeah. think uh, that that comment is so important. Yes, if leaders don't understand it, if they don't align everybody, that's that's part of what leadership is, is aligning, right? Getting everybody working in the same direction. I mean, getting getting leaders to actually We've all worked for leaders. That, uh, some, of, some have been brilliant. Some have been absolutely terrible. I've, been, I've worked for a couple that have been terrible. And when Dang says, if you're, how can you expect people to follow you if, if you can't, if there's a core value conflict? And, and some of the leaders that I've found that have been really, really bad are the ones that focus on the bottom line. They, they will push production. They will want to squeeze out the last bit of orange, you know, orange juice and Although they, they talk about safety, but they don't talk about safety from the heart perspective. It's generally just, yeah, I, I do safety. Yeah. That's you know, you're, you're describing something that was very popular and, and very much promoted, I want to say 30 or 40 years ago, and they called it MBO, Management by Objectives. You know, so if the objective is to make money, then manage to make money. Uh, and that's that's been pretty much uh, uh, replaced, disproved, Uh criticized, you know, over the years as not having been the best way to get things done. Mm -hmm. This is back to that thought I brought in earlier. Are, are you working on a product or a byproduct? You know, if, if you want to change someone's attitude, you better change the things that impact their attitude. If you want to change their safety, you better help them understand risk and understand precautions and the other things that impact safety. And a lot of leaders don't. You know, just a just a, a, a bold statement. You're always talking about what you're going to get slammed for. I've, I've been... Uh, questioned and criticized over this one over the years, but leadership is kind of like parenthood and citizenship. It's something that's thrust on people with no training. You know, I, I, mo most people have their first child and they've never read a book about rearing children. <laughs> most leaders get into a leadership position. They've never read a book about leadership. You know, they, they just work their way up through the ranks. They do their job really well. And all of a sudden you're in charge. And uh, it, it's an awkward thing for a lot of leaders. They, they they don't step up to that next level and say, I've got to get things done through others. They're used to getting it done themselves. 
and uh, it, it takes them a bit a bit of time. So uh, you know, if if you have a bad leader, can you patiently help them be a better leader, or can you get them a leadership coach? That's incredibly popular right now, and there are some great ones out there. There are some people out there uh, that that just do an, an unbelievable job of helping leaders lead better, and uh, you know, yeah. Do they need help <laughs> if they don't understand? They do. they I, I, I think all leaders need help uh, somewhere on the line. But are they are they too proud or too vain? Some of them to say, "Well, I'm 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 too big, too important, too far up the pecking order to need any help from anyone." What do you think? Is that another stumbling block? Block this oh, vanity I, that they go through? Absolutely. So you know, thinking that you're you're perfect or thinking that you can't take advice from others. Uh, I mean, the uh, look, look at the way most organizations look the way governments are structured. You know, the the leader of the UK has uh, a cabinet that advises them. The president of the United States has a cabinet that it advises them, and they set or send around a table and they listen to these people. And each of these people has a specific area of expertise, usually. You know, and this is something that you can bring this expertise into a room. If a CEO or a president of a company runs it the same way, uh, generally they get a lot better information than than they would yeah. trying to be the Lone Ranger. Sure. Does that play? Did, did the Lone Ranger ever play in the UK? I, I, I forgot to. <laughs> Long time ago. I host Silver Away. Picking up a couple of conversations uh, on chat. So Jorge says, hi, Jorge. He says, many organizations delegate all the work to the safety people. They, that is the staff, do not believe that they're part, part of the stumbling blocks. That's a really good observation, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. And very seldom are they a part of the stumbling blocks. In fact, they are uh, they are something that the leaders stumble over sometimes. But that's a that's a fault of leadership and not a fault of the staff. You know, one of the one of the things that I see so often is the the leaders of the organization go out in the field and contradict what the local safety people have told people or they override it. You know, yeah. or they ignore it or they, they display their ignorance of it, you know, and, and show people that they don't even know what's going on in safety out there in the field. And all of those are faults of leaders, not the staff. I think George has raised a really good point here. George um, Akato. Hey, George, nice to see you. You're always on these shows and it's great to see you here. And this comment is one good way of changing times on changing things on the shop floor is turning managers into leaders. Now, I want to flip back to the point that you made. I think I might have made it. I'm not sure where I said, well, they get a bit vain when they're at the top, you know, and they come from, from a finance back. And look, I might get toasted for this, okay, but they come from a finance background or some other background. Now, George's point is, I think, a good one. That is, if they actually come from the shop floor where they've been at the sharp end of the of the stick, then surely they are going to be more in empathy, aren't they, in terms of the drive for safety uh, improvements? Oh, yes. And and I, th I think even more important, you know, you have to realize that being at the top of the organization isn't the only leadership position. There are leaders at every level in an organization, even down to the shop floor where the, where workers can become leaders. Team team players can become team captains, you know, out there in, in industry. Anybody who takes the lead is, is a leader. And I, I agree, you know, some managers simply manage. You know, that's all they that's all they really do. Some supervisors simply supervise, but other supervisors and managers truly become leaders and and actually lead people in where they want to go. I, I used to say that leaders of, are of two kinds, shepherds and sheepdog. You know, shepherds stand in front of the flock and say, follow me. Sheepdogs run around the back of, and bite the heels of the stragglers. You know, <laughs> uh, I, I, I see people either take one of those two approaches almost always to leadership. But yes, developing everybody into leaders, making making everybody who's willing to to be a leader, be a leader in safety. Uh, I, I think that's that's the way you build that incredible safety culture that that gets you to that level of excellent performance that you can't get to any other way. Yeah, we've got um Sometimes they don't always show who's saying this, but whoever's saying this, thank you so much. It just says LinkedIn user. It says, true safety leadership is grassroots up. Nothing wrong with rolling up your sleeves and understanding the frontline risk. I think that's a fantastic, 
fantastic overview. Isn't Absolutely. It? By the way, change your name to Savvy. Highly <laughs> <laughs> intelligent LinkedIn user, okay? Because that's an excellent comment. You know, the 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 safety the management consultant Tom Peters, who was incredibly important a few decades ago, uh, coined a phrase that he called MBWA, management by wandering by around. Working. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and he said, get out of your office every day and get a daily dose of reality out there. By the way, uh, right here in my hometown, uh, there was a, an airline that was horrible. I mean, it's one of the worst in the world, got bought mm -hmm. out. And the, the man, Gordon Bethune, who bought it out and took it over, practiced that like you wouldn't believe. Uh, he, he walked out everywhere. He met all, all of his 3,000 employees over a period of time, had an open door policy where they could talk to him anytime. And he turned that airline around like you wouldn't believe. And if you want to read his story, uh, he wrote a book called Worst to First. And that's exactly what he'll tell you how he got there was by getting out there, understanding the reality of it and listening to the people who do the jobs. Yeah. Uh, just to say that was Jay, by the way. It was oh, me, Jay. Sorry. Excellent, Jay, thank excellent, you. Excellent insight, Jay. Jay. Yeah, Jay, it might be because your LinkedIn profile is set to private or something that it turns up like that. But uh, thanks for pointing out yeah, who you are. Excellent, excellent uh, insight. Well, we've got a question here from another LinkedIn user. It might be Jay again, but it says, what does Terry think of servant leadership? So, Terry, over to you. <laughs> well, obviously, uh, this is a, a popular term. It's not brand new, but it's relatively new. And when you're as old as me, you know, new is, is a little bit, has a little bit broader uh, range. But the idea of servant leadership is that you're there to help other people. And again, uh, you know, I, I, I was going to save this quote for, for when we talk about it, but the, one of the quotes that impacted me the most in, in my career was uh, a, a brilliant young, a brilliant lady who said, you don't become great just by being a great leader. You become great by leading great people. And if you look at yourself as the head dictator of the organization, you're not a servant leader. But if you look at yourself as the person who's there to make everybody in your organization the best they can possibly be, to me, that's servant leadership. And I, I think it's the I think it's the way to go. Uh, yeah. Now maybe maybe it doesn't work as much in the military or you know places like that. But most places, the better you can make your people out there, the 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 better your organization's going to perform. Uh, you know, you're a coach. When you get to that level, you can't score points anymore. You can't go out on the field and kick the ball. You you got to get somebody else to go out there on that field and kick the ball better. <laughs> you know, and if you look at yourself as a servant leader, I, I think that's what you try to do. I think I think the. Um just before I flip to this comment, um, I just want to say, uh, Cairo, welcome. Nice to see you again. The topic in the discussion today is, I think you may have joined it slightly later, is um, next time I remember to put a header up, is about safety leadership. Um, so, Cairo, thanks again. And um, uh, Arun, nice of you to join the show. Um, Dom, I think Dominic Cooper's online. He says that, that LinkedIn user Hi, was Dom. Dominic Cooper. He says, Hey, Dom, how are you? Glad to get you on the show uh, when you're free. Um, but I think Dom made the comment about servant leadership. Um, I want to I flip this a little bit now to a direction. Um, I want to talk about leaders and maybe our personal experiences and also gauge some of the experiences out there. Terry, what's the worst leader you've come across? I mean, you don't have to name them, but uh, what was the characteristic that you thought was a big stumbling block for them? Uh, well, it, it, we're talking more specifically about safety. I think a lot of leaders don't view themselves as the safety leader. They view themselves as the production leader or the financial leader or the, you know, the business leader, whatever that means. Uh, and I, I think they separate safety from that. And when they go out in the field, it's not mentioned. So when you interview workers out there in the field with leaders like that and you say, what's the priority of safety in this organization? They rate it very low, you know, uh, and I have a, I've had a lot of leaders who say, well, that's not fair, Terry. Just because I don't talk about it out in the field doesn't mean it's not important. No, but you're going to create the perception that it's not important. If you're the head person in the organization and you never talk about it, you're going to create that, that, that impression that other things are fabulously more important. The, uh, one of the old uh, presidents of Alcoa, since it's so far ago and long ago and half the people are dead. Is I, Paul O'Neill, I think. Oh, yeah. Uh, he gave an address one time worldwide. 
And um, so that means he's waking people up at midnight in China, right? You know, to listen to his address. And we had just launched a new safety program, very important one, I thought, at Alcoa. And he agreed that it was very important. And he was going to mention it in his address, and he didn't. And when he got through, I said, Paul, you missed this huge opportunity to plug this new program and, and bring it up. And he said, oh, come on, Terry. People, just because I didn't mention that one thing in this 15-minute address doesn't mean that it's not important. And I said, Paul, <laughs> you are the leader. And what you said in this address is what's important and what you left out is not. And uh, you may not have intended it that way, but that if, if anybody out there in the world didn't take it that way, fire them and replace them because they're not paying attention. You know, when you wake up everybody all around the world and give an address, what you say is important and what you leave out is not, you know, you, you can't help but create that impression. And I think yeah. I, I think the worst leaders are the ones who don't realize that, mm -hmm. you know, now, yes, I know they're tugged in a lot of different ways. I know that, uh, you know, I, I can remember being just a, a site leader and having the safety guy come to me and want all my best people and all my best attention for safety and the quality guy doing the same thing, you know, and the new program guy doing the, the, the same thing, you know, and you're you get to the point that you, just, you finally get to, you want to say, well, can I do something else too? Like, you know, produce the product that we're in business to produce, you know, because you're being tugged in so many different ways, but that's part of leadership is the holistic thing, putting it all together, you know, not talking about production without safety or safety without production, putting it all together and helping people have that idea that of, of the holistic thing that you want. And I think the worst, you know, the, first of all, the worst leaders in safety are the ones who just don't lead. You know, they go out and they lead everything else, but they don't lead safety. And that creates that. That's where I was getting with the, the, the Paul story. Uh, if, if you don't lead safety as, as as you lead other things, you diminish the importance of it in the in the side of your your workers tremendously. Yeah. We've got a very good question coming from Cairo and also another question for you coming in, Terry. But before I, I jump to that, I want to say my my worst experience of a safety leader is very simple. One, it was a bully. Um, and uh, in the good old days, we used to be not safety. Uh, we used to be called safety officers uh, and we were treated like the safety police, you know, and they would come down and they would literally bully you into doing things. So. Uh, but there are leaders come in all shapes and all different sizes. But generally, I found they tend to be very much uh, sort of um, uh, bullying in nature, uh, yes. passive aggressive and so on. And that's the big issue, I think. Uh, so let's jump to Carol's questions. Uh, Jay, just want to acknowledge your uh, question earlier. You've given us your surname as well now. Thank you very much. Carol says, in safety, Leadership is the most important part towards excellent safety culture. Leader give leaders give compass and manager just give the ah just give you a watch. I get what you mean. Yes, I see. The leaders give you a navigation, whereas the managers just give you a timepiece to work to. I guess and their time uh, pressures, etc. That's a good good sort of uh, overview, I guess, isn't it? Fair comment. Do you think, Terry? Oh, absolutely fair comment. Uh, one of the one of the problems, uh, Jay Wiley came to me once well, four years ago now, I guess, and said, Terry, we want you to write a book on safety culture. And I said, I did. I wrote one in 1996 uh, and nobody wanted to talk about culture back then. They wanted to talk about behavior, you know, but uh, they said, uh, yes, but everybody else has talked about how you describe a safety culture, not how you improve one. And we think that's where you could really add to the the mix out there. So when when you look at, uh, I read the other 11 books that had safety culture in their title or subtitle out there. And one of the one of the commonalities that I found in all of them were, were that they basically said safety begins with leadership. I agree with that, but it doesn't stop there. And that's where that's where I think a lot of the other books failed their their readers out there was they said, well, if you just lead, uh, if you just lead the correct way, you're going to form a really good safety culture. And it's not that simple. There are other elements that have to be addressed out there. But and, and I think what you're getting at here, and I think it's an absolutely true point. If the leaders don't lead, you're not going to have a good safety culture. They can get in the way of it. They can they can make it not happen. They can reduce it in importance by neglecting it and not leading it. You know, any number of ways. Even if they have good intentions, that that uh, if if the leaders aren't not just well intentioned but well equipped and well informed on what they need to do, 
the the safety culture is not going to not going to be yeah. what you want it to be. Uh, Jay, Jay's Jay's come up with a question. It says, "That's um, an interesting question. What is your view on HC leadership and the country the companies are based in? For example, the difference between US and EU. Um, I certainly can give you the EU perspective, but why don't you crack on with the US perspective, uh, Terry? What's your thought on that? Well, first of all, universally, yes, uh, you need to lead the group of people that you're leading, and whether that's in whether that's in the US, the EU, France. Uh, Pogo Island, you know, you need to know what that that group of people, uh, what they're like, you know, what will work and what won't work. You need to know a little bit about the history of them and and the ethnicity. Uh, when when I was doing a lot of behavior based approaches to safety, um, someone a, a very very prominent uh, academic said, "Well, that won't work in France." I said, "Well, I wish you had told me before. I had six successful implementations over there." You know, the the difference is, uh, good leaders, wherever they are, know their people and lead their people. They style their leadership to fit and shape the kind of culture they want. You know, not some ideal, not some uh, per perfect model, or whatever it is out there. Uh, you know. Safety uh, in any organization is about personal best. You know, it's not about perfection. It's about personal best. How can this group of people be their best? Now, again, in the U.S., one of, one of the blind spots of everybody in the U.S. is we think the whole world should be just like us. You know, so when, when a, someone from the U.S. goes to France, they try to they don't just try to turn them into safer Frenchmen. They try to turn them into safe Americans, you know, <laughs> and that that's that's one of the, the, the bold and blind spots of that. Uh, people in the EU are more um, universal. They're, they're more global than the U.S. Uh, you know, I was working in Germany a few months ago and uh, one of the Germans uh, commented, well, um, by the way, I told him the joke, you know, that if you speak three or more languages, you're multilingual, two is you're bilingual, one, you're an American, you know, and <laughs> they were they were joking about that. Uh, by the way, I'm an American and I speak four. Okay, so I try to speak four. Um, so I'm the exception. But they said, "Well, how can you Americans not learn other languages?" And I said, "What if you could go from Moscow to London, from Helsinki to Rome, and everybody spoke the same language? How pressed would you feel to learn another language?" And I said, well, and I said "That's the U.S." Okay, you know, uh, yeah, we, we have we have a few French we have a few French speakers uh, way up north, and we have a bunch of uh, Spanish speakers way down south. You know, but uh, basically, it's all the same language, and that's why people don't yeah. don't do that. So, uh, you know, the, I think the the difference in management style. Every country has a little bit of nuance. Every country's influenced by different ones. Uh, when Sonny and I talk, you know, he's he's. Uh, constantly quoting sources from the UK and I'm quoting sources from the US. I mean, we that's where we live and that's where we go. But, you know, not every place in the world is the US or the UK. And I think management styles are quite different. Uh, just just one, quick story. Yeah. One, one quick story that might illustrate things for you too. Uh, in my corporate career, and I, I guess I won't mention the uh, soft drink company that I worked for that has the red logo with the, uh, any, anyway, uh, we, we, we were. You're not, uh, you're not a commission, are you, Terry? But. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I would never, <laughs> would never do anything like that. But uh, we had a, we had an opening in, uh, down in, in Polynesia in a, in a country down there. And we asked the, the president of the company was getting ready to, uh, down there was getting ready to retire. And we said, who's your replacement? If you started identifying your replacement, I said, well, it's going to be my son. And we said, this isn't a kingdom. This isn't a monarchy or something like that. You know what? You have to go through this process and you have to interview these people. And and any, anyway, and we gave him a seven step process that he had to go through to select his new son. Uh, and his son came out on top in all seven categories over there. You know, so here's the thing. Uh, you can try to change the way other people do business, but you're generally better off working with the way they do business and letting their leader, letting your leaders lead that way. Now you can nurse, you can nurture them and, and push them in a better direction or help them uh, identify some better practices. But if you just try to just radically change what they do, uh, you're dismantling a culture. You're dismantling a group of people. Yeah. Let, let me, um, let me throw some things up here. So Chris, uh, Chris says, totally agree. Thank you, Chris, for joining us. Thanks, uh, I think Jay says you nailed the answer. Thank you, Terry. Dang's giving you a thumbs up. 
Um, George is saying it's very difficult to say. Let, let me let me throw let me throw my thoughts on that one. Um, I used to work for a company oh. in the UK, um, a very large multinational company, uh, which got taken over by Americans. Um, now I might get toasted for saying this, but let's let's do it anyway, right? So they brought in all the procedures and policies and so on from the US, and and then um, I was told that I had to go to Germany and do some uh, audits and investigations on. And I was accompanied by the corporate um, HSC manager from the US. So we get to Germany, and this actually chimes and, and, and sort of aligns with what you're saying. We get to Germany, and the first thing that uh, X says is, why are these guys not wearing hats, okay? Uh, they're all wearing bump. You just froze up, Sonny. If you if you're not aware of it, your picture just froze, and I'm not hearing your audio yeah, anymore. I want it all. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Okay, you're back. Okay. Yeah. So we we were, we then in Germany. The laws are very very tough. The worker protection laws are very tough. So when we put forward that we have to get rid of the hats, uh, there was uproar. Uh, bump caps, replace it with has. And to me, it was just a clear indication of culture, how culture, you can't impose your culture from your part of the world suddenly into a new part of the world, you know, that you're going to. It's very, very difficult. And I think that's a big stumbling block uh, with leadership in that they don't, they don't always understand the, the differences between the cultures. They think they do just because they've got Google or they've been watching the news. But I think they have to be a bit mindful that culture plays a very important part in terms of getting engagement. Absolutely. You know, uh, Deming said, a bunch of people have said this, but I always remember Deming's because I read his quote first. He said, people support what they help create. Mm. And a really good leader uh, doesn't just dictate. And and just a, just a, a, a quick story to illustrate that. There was a, an accident in northern Italy back uh, several years ago, and the, the, the workplace was totally disrupted. Uh, a lot of construction going on. A lot of the cameras had been taken down, so we didn't have video of this. Nobody, nobody really saw it. But a worker got run over by a truck, uh, got backed over by a truck in this construction zone out there. And this is up in the foothills of the Alps. So we think he was holding his coat up against the wind. We think he was carrying a bunch of tools because they, they were found there on the ground and everything. So uh, the safety professionals were all brainstorming, what could we do to avoid things like this in the future. And one of the one of the ideas that came up was in Italy, you're not required to wear these high visibility vests. We call them Visi vest in America, uh, you know, with the reflective tape on them and everything like that. And they said, well, you know, maybe the driver just didn't see him and maybe that could prevent an accident like this. So the, the leader went back to Poland and I'm not picking on Poland because everybody else did this too and said, we're going to wear Visi vests. And they said, we don't want to wear a Visi vest. We don't have they went back to France and said, we're going to wear a Visi vest. And they said, we have a national union. You can't make us do that without going through, you know, and everything like that. The leader went back to Ireland. It's not that necessarily Irish are better leaders than any other, but, but he did it the right way. He went back there and he showed a picture of this man who was killed. He showed a picture of his wife and two sons and everything. And he painted this as a personal tragedy. And he said, we can't let that happen to us here in Ireland. What could we do? to make sure that that never happened to us. And one of the ideas that came up was wearing Visi vest, you know? So everybody was forced to wear Visi vest, but they didn't have to force the people in Ireland because the leader there was a good leader and did what it takes. Someone mentioned uh, trust and, and uh, trust and something uh, just a mm. minute ago too. I, I saw in the comment over there. It's absolutely true. You know, if, if the workers if don't think that the, the leaders are, are on their side and trying to help them and what they're doing, then, then none of this, everything else is just lip service. It's, uh, yeah, the leader says we want this, but they don't really demonstrate it. And that's another stumbling block of leadership is saying one thing and doing another. I was working with that. Was working with a, a company uh, not too far from my house, which is really unusual for me. And uh, they're a high tech company, and uh, they they passed a rule. The leaders passed a rule that you can't walk through the parking lot looking at your cell phone. Uh, three days, three or four days later, on the internet, there were eight videos of leaders walking through the parking lot looking at their cell phone. <laughs> you know, if, if, if you're going to, to dictate to other people what you want them to do and you're not going to do it yourself, 
that's one of those stumbling blocks of leadership that we, that we were going yeah. to talk about here today. Well, George is saying uh, so true. Safe production is the number one priority. Um, that is true, uh, but unfortunately, not every company sees safe production in the two words put together. It's usually just production as the number one priority. Yeah. So you, you could you could say there are still some uh, minds that need changing out there. And George has also asked, what does Terry think about these three barriers why leaders fail to empower others? Desire for job security, resistance to change, and a lack of self-worth. Well, wow, there, there are subjects there on their own there, I think, aren't there? <laughs> yes, there are. We, we could take an hour on each one of those. Mm -hmm. uh, but no, I, I, I think these are why some leaders fail. Some leaders don't want anyone. They don't want to share knowledge because they feel like if someone gets as much knowledge as they do, they could take their job, you know, and so they don't they don't help them become better in safety. Uh, resistance to change. You know, um, I, I think at the top there is there's a, a bit of resistance to change. I think the further down the, the org chart you get, the more it's resistance to force. You know, uh, cultures are changing all the time, but they change from within. They, they resist force from without. And I, I think a lot of people mistake resistance to change to resistance to forced change. Mm. Uh, and and I, I, anyway, that, that's a subject we could spend an hour on, too. Gosh, um, yeah, I mean, uh, put, that, yeah, put that for, if, the, uh, if, for if the, the future. Sure. And if the leader doesn't have a high self, doesn't have high self-esteem, they, they tend to not lead very well either. I, I think your I think your three points are excellent. I, I would just suggest that they're not the only three. You know, I've, yeah. I've, I've got a list in front of me here with about 20 on it that uh, are, are things from my experience that leaders, well-intentioned leaders generally, you know, well, we'll do, uh, we'll, did a bad we'll do job. A summary. Yeah, we'll do a summary in terms of what we've come to in terms of conclusions in right. terms of some of the stumbling blocks. But Chris is now saying, Chris, a good question. When you get buy, well, good comment. When you get buy into an idea, then it will live in the workplace. And you are right if people do not trust their leadership and have come across double standards, then they're not going to live, implement what has to be done. Oh, wow, Chris. Yeah, I mean, very well put there, I think. Yeah. Uh, realize, though, that buy-in is only the first step. <laughs> you know, if if they say, yes, this is a good idea, but the idea is not going anywhere, they don't see progress toward it, they don't, uh, you know, have anything that they can actively participate in to help make it happen. I mean, there's a, a dozen reasons why, even if they buy in, uh, it doesn't work. So, yeah, I think you're absolutely right that once you get them to buy into an idea, that's the, that's the starting place for change. I, well, I, I, I say constantly that all change begins with new, new thinking. You know, if you don't think a different way, you're not going to do anything differently. You're not going to make progress. Let's, let's drill down that sentence a bit more that Chris has put. And if you, if it says, and you're right, if people do not trust their leadership. I mean, falling out of trust with leadership is a big issue, isn't it? I mean, I mean you, you can't have a bigger stumbling block and uh, not having trust in a leadership. I mean, we might as well just close, switch off the lights. The last person switches off the light, closes the gate and goes home, basically. Why, why, why do, what's, what sort of reasons do you not trust the leadership for? Maybe lying about statistics, for example? Well, maybe they've demonstrated that uh, they care more about production than safety. <laughs> you know, maybe they've, they've, maybe they accept a certain level of safety imperfection and don't, strive to to get any better you know there are a number of reasons why they do but i think the number one that i run across is they try to fix the blame instead of fixing the problem mm. you know that the, the leaders once they find someone to point the big finger of blame at think their job is done and mm. uh you know well here's the idiot that caused this problem let's get rid of them and and problem solved and they don't realize that almost anybody doing that job doing that way might have done it the same way and they don't fix those kind of issues and I think that's where a lot of it comes from. Leaders who leaders who blame lose trust almost inevitably. And yeah. if, if you think your leader is not out to help you be better or help the organization be better, they're just out to place the blame, then you lose trust in your leadership. You know, you, Sonny, you're talking about being the safety cops. Uh, 
we actually ask our people to be safety cops. And, and when we realized that wasn't the best way, I put a training program together that I called Cop to Coach. And I actually got, it was an old computer program that you could take a, a, a picture of a cop and a picture of a coach and you can make them kind of one morph into the other. <laughs> that way. And I put that on the, on the, on the face of the training pro materials that we handed out in the, in the training like that. But I, I think that's a, a lot of what's happened. If, if your leader is a safety cop, I, I made the mistake of naming my, uh, Amazon, your, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I named my Amazon device a different name. And every time I say that different name, she pops up and asks me, tells me she didn't understand the, what I'm asking her for. Sorry about Guess that. Guess who's got the gremlins this time? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. this is, this let's, is, let's, let's, let's jump to this question with Dom. This then, is an uh, excellent Dom. question. Uh, you know, measurement isn't management, but it's a necessary part. If you can't measure anything, you don't know how you're impacting it, right? You don't know if it's if it's getting better, if it's getting worse, or or whatever it's, it's like done. What gets measured gets done. Well, I, if if not the best in the world, the highest paid in the world, uh, leadership coach is is Malcolm Gladwell. Uh, is a uh, yeah. Uh, uh, lost his name. Just flew right out of my head over here. Uh, Management. Uh, We'll come back to us anyway. Gosh, I know him personally. <laughs> it's terrible to get old and, and forgetful like that. Um, Not well, wise. He, uh, he, one of the ways that he recommends that you track leadership is to poll the people who are being led. Talk to the talk to the the direct reports to the leader, and uh, set specific goals. You know, first of all, uh, you can't just say, how are you doing at leadership? Well, that's totally subjective. That's totally too broad a subject like that. But if you set specific improvement targets, like you're going to you're going to communicate more effectively. Every time you communicate, safety is going to be a part of that communication. I mean, if you set specific goals like that, now you can start asking the people that are impacted directly by that leadership. Is it happening more regularly? You can even have people put, keep a card in their pocket and mark down every time that happens, you know, and take up those cards every week. I've, I've seen that happen on a, on a regular basis also. But uh, I think your point is excellent. If you're not measuring it, if you're not tracking it, that's like saying, I'm going to go on a diet and lose weight and you never get on a scale. Now, by the, by the way, I, I, I just you know what we should do, Terry? Terry, just to interrupt you, uh, if I may. Yeah. Dom, um, we both know Dom. I love him to bits. He's, uh, he's, uh, if, you, if you're still online, Dom, I want to get you on the show. So uh, when you're free, let's get you uh, and Terry and me on the show. Okay, just hit that with a yes or no, or private DM me or email me. Uh, but we've got, we've got a very active, very active chat box, Terry. So I want to cover some of these as well. Sure. Uh, Chris, Chris is saying put, putting profit before personal safety. Well, absolutely, yeah. There are still, unfortunately, guilty of doing that out there. Uh, I'm going to go through these very quickly because we've got a whole run of them. Zia uh, says, Zia, welcome. Uh, he says, everywhere, they always give preferences to production over safety. Absolutely, right. yes, very much so. And do you know, going forward, I even don't know how that's going to change uh, the narrative with all the pandemic issues. Well, Chris... One, one, um, one. One thing about that, though, when you say safety is our number one priority and every decision you make contradicts that, you, you kill your credibility as a leader. You know, so mm -hmm. so leaders need to be careful about what they say is our number one priority if it's not true. Absolutely. Yeah. Chris, uh, exactly. In Thanks, Chris. Exactly. In today's society, no one can make a mistake. It is a blame game. I so agree about bad leaders. Actually, Chris, I want to throw back something at you there, and that is that. In today's society, I think people are more uh, keen to not upset people, keen to not say something because it could be politically incorrect or uh, it could be challenged in some way. So I think I think there has to be a fine balance where you can say something without people taking umbrage, especially if you're going to do something that might save them from an accident or an incident. Um, Terry, what do you think? Absolutely. You know, and we call them safety rules. I, I think it'd be better to call them safety guidelines, safety uh, uh, truisms. You know, I, I, it, it's like when we make a rule, we draw a line in the sand. And if you step across that line, you know, I'm going to slap your hand or I'm going to send you home without pay or whatever it is. It, it can't be a game like that. It, it needs to be uh, aimed at the at the goal of risk management. 
not not at the goal of uh, you know drawing lines in the sand and saying don't do this. Now again, sometimes you know you want to you want to draw a line in the sand as a barricade or or something like that to keep you from getting too close to a risk. But uh, you know it, it's not a gotcha game. If you get into the gotcha, you know cop police safety cop uh, that that's that's totally uh, disruptive to a culture. I had a I had a I had an opportunity of working in an organization once where the leader he thought it was funny, you know, he thought he was really in with the hip crowd. And in meetings he would he would sit there and he'd say, Right, we're gonna start this meeting and there's no blame on anyone in this. Uh, so uh, and then he'd turn to someone and say, So why did you get that wrong? <laughs> I thought great way of winning folks you know um uh george says true on uh chris's comment chris uh, also says zia askani agree and zia's comment was that everywhere they always give preferences over production production over safety uh dom stays uh, sorry terry just bear with me i want to cover some of yeah, these dom no, says uh, Dom, you need to say yay or nay to coming on the show for a future session. It'd be really nice for you to uh, have you and, and, and Terry on the show. Uh, LinkedIn News, I don't know, I hope it might be Jay again. It says guidelines is the best way to guidelines is the best way to look at procedures. Now that's it. Mm. Mm. I, I think standardization, don't you? When you when you hear something like that, mm. uh, yeah. Uh, again, I, I like the idea of guidelines. You know, they're principles rather than specific rules. You know, when, when you look at safety, um, should you keep your eyes pointed in the, your direction of travel? Okay, now, does that apply when you're walking? Does that apply when you're driving a vehicle? Does that apply? Uh, you know, yeah, it applies universally to a lot of things. When people understand the the principles of safety rather than Here's a rule when you're when you're doing this when you when you drive that fork truck here's you know uh, I I think they start thinking more universally too and mm -hmm. I think that's where it good I, I like that I, I like this thing. I, maybe I'm reading more into it or different taking it off in a different no, direction. No, I, I think it's a good one I think we always must pin it back to our conversations last week which was about hierarchy of controls right. and where procedures sit in that hierarchy but I think it's a good one. And ask yourself this question, how many leaders actually understand the procedures that they've got in their organization? Most of them at the top of the tree probably don't even know a quarter of them. Um, well, so nobody in the organization can recite all of them either. That, well, that's one of the things. Absolutely and not, yeah. I, I, there's says, a principle I try to preach is that if you don't get it in your head, you won't get it in your habits. You know, and when you overload people with with massive rules and procedures and everything else, unless they have time to go uh, research them every time they do it, they're not going to follow them. Yeah, Chris is saying he's agreeing with my comments. I would the media will crucify you if you make a mistake. Oh, absolutely, Chris. I mean, I'm ex BP, and I remember the uh, the scene of the yacht, and uh, I want my life to go back to normal and all that stuff from a leader. So I fully understand that. The serious accident occurs, the blame culture takes over instead of, yeah, investigate root cause and put what was wrong right. Chris, I I, I, send, I totally agree with you. I can uh, certainly Absolutely. chime with the thoughts there. Uh, Mohammed, uh, what should we as safety professionals do if the person sitting on the top of the organization doesn't have the safety vision or as we call the safety leadership skill? <gasps> Ooh, uh, you call a really good consultant uh, to help you. I'm <laughs> great. Uh, <laughs> no, we get I, I get calls like this all the time. You know, the that uh, the safety the VP of EHS calls me up and says our leader just doesn't get it, and you know, can you come in and help us uh, figure out how to do this? Uh, and and out, uh, outside help certainly not the only way to to solve a problem like that. And and sometimes too, I help the person inside the organization to become that internal coach, you know, to to help happen. But something needs to happen if your leader doesn't get it. Um, likely one of two things is going to happen. Either they're going to drag the organization down by the, by the belt, you know, from, from behind like that, or they're going to have such a terrible disaster happen that they're going to have to take the blame for it or blame somebody else for it or, you know, or do something like that. You're, you're going to have a disaster in your organization if, if you're not really taking safety seriously. That's just a matter of time. I think we've proven that. 
Mohammed, I just want to take your uh, point in a in a sort of slightly different way. So, I, last year, yeah, last year I worked for a company in Iran, and um, when when I was there, they said, "Oh, we need to." You know, I said, "Let's do a site walkabout," and I said, "Can we ask so and so, who's the the general manager?" And everyone said, "No, no, 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 no. We can't ask him. We can't ask him. He's far too busy. We can't do that." And I said, "Well, why not?" Yeah, and they said, "Well, you can ask him because." You're the consultant. You can ask him. Mm -hmm. So I went to him and I said, look, we want to do a walk around. It's very important that we show that we lead by example. At first, he was quite off-putting, saying I'm busy and things and so on. But then eventually I persuaded him to, to come out and walk with us for 10, 15 minutes. The interesting thing is after the 10, 15-minute walk, where he started off all very negative, you know, I don't want to be on this tour. He actually took control of the walk and he started to tell his people, well, I don't like this, I don't like that, I don't like this. And he started to actually get more engaged with the people. And he said to me afterwards, I made a very big mistake here. Uh, and he was sitting at the top of the tree and he didn't realize how he wasn't getting the full bird's eye view. So it's an easy thing for an outsider to come in and do it, Mohammed. But if you're in the organization, I think it's a challenge. And, you know, I do, I do empathize with the situation that you've got there. But to some sure. way, you have to try and leverage on resources whereby you can get them to, as they say, walk the talk, basically. Um, uh, you know, uh, uh, one of my old jokes uh, about consultants is that a consultant is somebody who comes in your office, looks at your watch and tells you what time it is. You know, generally as a consultant, like Sonny's just talking about, what we have to do is go learn enough about the organization to make some intelligent choices of what to do. But our, our real value a lot of times is that we're not an employee. You know, we're not we're not afraid to say something to somebody because we might get fired and have our whole life and career, you know, shot or anything else, you know, because we're, we're an outsider. I mean, worst they can do is fire us and we go work for somebody else. But uh, <laughs> by the way, the name I was uh, fishing for and couldn't come up with is Marshall Goldsmith. Marshall if, if, you Goldsmith. Don't, if you don't know Marshall Goldsmith, oh, my gosh, what a brilliant, brilliant individual. If, if you don't know this, companies hire him to prepare their next leader. And his, his fee is $250,000 in the U.S. or 350 if it's overseas like that. And he absolutely guarantees that if he doesn't get a total consensus from the people, direct reports, that he has gotten this person up to the level that they're looking at like that, you don't have to pay him. And I don't know wow. if anybody who's ever refused to pay Marshall his his fee for that. He's written 40 books or something like that about leadership. He's just a brilliant, brilliant individual. If you ever get a chance to go to a conference where he is, uh, just sit in the room and soak him up because he's just just a delicious individual to be around, just an incredible guy. But uh, no, I, I think what you're getting at here too, oh, this is kind of interesting too. Uh, if, if you want to we're know- we're yeah, sorry, Reading the next one here. We've got a range of questions. So I want to fire through them because um, I'm mindful that there's a lot of people asking questions. Here. So George's question, let's do that one. People do what people see. If you want to know if your safety leadership program is working, ask the workforce. Absolutely. Of course, of course, you know. Uh, Dom Dom says, yay, he's available. I assume that's you, Dom, <laughs> because it's a LinkedIn user again, but he says, yay. Chris, thank you very much. Well, get rid of Terry. I'll come on too. No, 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 no. I'm, <laughs> I'm looking forward to the fireworks. There, what was going to going to happen? Uh, Chris, uh, Chris says thanks. Chris he says, ha ha ha, Sonny, so true. I've been witnessed as a manager say no blame than single people out. Yeah, I'm, I'm afraid yeah. there are people out there who still do this. The the old dinosaur mentality. Way too many. Absolutely. Nope, not me. I don't know who that is. Uh, Fitz Dom's safety culture model. That yeah. sounds like Dom. Yeah. So guidelines, that is. Yes, okay. Uh, Chris says, Mohammed Rahil Khan, good point. Yeah, absolutely. George. Absolutely good point, yes. Bear with me, Terry. I'm rattling through these. Leader yeah. plus vision equals results. George says, uh, true, Sonny, it's the work as imagined versus work as done model. Spot Ooh. on. That's, an, that's a, a very astute point. A lot of leaders are sitting in their office imagining that everything they say happens out there in the workplace when it really doesn't. It does. And, and Mohammed says, great. Thank you very much. Uh, Mohammed, I'm, you, I'm Mohammed. hoping that, yeah, absolutely. I'm hoping the comment about uh, getting an external resource or someone to leverage, as the expression is, leverage whatever resources you can to get the change that you need. And if you can't do it, there's always someone who could help you with that. Uh, Dang, 
Dank, it's very, very late for you. I know uh, you're probably saying together we build the best. Thanks, Terry, Sonny, and thanks all. I hope you're staying on. If not, but may I wish you a very good evening. What's the old saying? Two heads are thicker than, I mean, two heads are better than one. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, we've we've hit one hour, uh, Terry, and we can I know talk about it goes by too fast. Absolutely, let's let's do a quick recap on here for our uh, audience. And if you if you have any specific questions, if we haven't covered them on the show, send it to live at Red Risk, scanning along the bottom there, and we'll pick it up. Terry, stumbling blocks. Let's pick well, them up one by one. Look. Uh... I don't remember exactly the order we went in, but, but, but let me just read down my notes, if you don't mind here. Uh, yeah, just real quickly, um, omitting safety is the biggest stumbling block. The leader goes out, doesn't mention anything about safety. Overreacting to safety. And this is an interesting one, too. You know, you talked about how you d d destroy trust like that. Oversimplifying safety. You know how many leaders go out and say, well, safety is just thinking before you act? And no, it's not. I mean, it's, it's fabulously more than that. Uh, taking over. When the leaders go out and take over from the local leadership or contradict the local local leadership, uh, it's it's devastating. Uh, overlooking unsafe acts while they're out there in the field, just walking by people that are taking all kinds of risks and not saying anything, displaying that you you don't really know what's going on, rewarding or praising people that the locals know are unsafe. You know, uh, so, someone's uh, the the notorious risk taker and the leader shows up for his once a year visit and says, oh, what a great worker that guy is. Uh, not talking the talk. When the leaders can't speak the language of safety that's being developed within the company, displays that they don't know it. Again, putting production over safety. We've talked about that. Blaming. Um, Also, they, they have a, uh, the culture thing as well is another thing. Oh, yeah, that. yeah. You know, letting the culture develop in, in a way, not not guiding the, the cultural development and safety. Uh, you know, all of these are things that, that leaders, very seldom does a leader say, I'm going to go out and just really screw up my safety efforts. You know, very seldom does a worker come to work and say, what really stupid and dangerous thing can I do today to get myself hurt? But, you know, even with best intentions, best intentions aren't enough. You know, no. you've got to know what to do. What was Deming's famous quote? He said, it's not enough to do your best. You have to know what to do and then do your best. You know, <laughs> and I, I think uh, I think a lot of leaders don't know what to do. They don't know what leadership, what good safety leadership looks like. And because of that, they do things with good intentions that produce bad results. And uh, again, you know. The leader sets the tone for the whole organization. People have been saying that all through this workshop here today. If the leaders don't lead, the followers don't follow. Let me um, let me pick up some more conversations here, Terry. Um, Jorge, working in safety. I'm going to quickly pan through these. Working in safety is not easy. We need to have a great conviction energy to keep on the way. Absolutely. Jorge, if, if it was easy, everybody would do it. <laughs> Thanks for doing okay. the stuff that's not easy. There's we used this expression in last week's show, uh, and I said uh, someone made a comment a long time ago, which is, uh, safety is not rocket science. Rocket science is easier. So, That's right. <laughs> exactly. Um, and Dom, Dom, hey, Dom, this is not good. You're saying Terry's very wise and great to listen to. That means that I won't see any fireworks if you come on the show. <laughs> no. No. Um, no, Dom and I agree on many, many points. Um, I'm, I'm glad that we can certainly entertain and also impart quite a lot of knowledge there. Chris, uh, thank you. Dang Lee, you're so right. We cannot do it on our own. Uh, Dang, we, Dang, Dang was saying basically we have to do it together. Okay, maybe we can, yeah. but it will be a false working environment. We need to work together. Together we are stronger. You know what, Chris? Such wonderful words there. Absolutely. And I think especially... So chiming with the current situation that we're in now um Selvaraj, thank you thank you to you and thank, thank you to you, everybody yes. uh, and um dang thank you uh acknowledging chris there always so, great yeah, to have you here absolutely good to have everybody here and the thing is i could go on and on with this for um a long time but we've hit an hour and what i want to do is i want to say a couple of things before we finish off them terry First thing to mention that next week we're going to be covering workforce engagement, correct? Yes. And I would really encourage you all to join that one. We do these shows twice a week and the timing is fixed and the days are fixed as well. So, Dom, if you are available and so long as Terry is also agreeable, I think we sure. should get you on that chat. 
um, let me know. Ping me an email, Dom. You've got my email address. And I just want to flick up a little bit of uh, some more slides here. So thank you so much for all of you taking part in the chat. You guys have been absolutely wonderful out there. certainly kept us both on our feet. Um, and I, I just want to say that I'm looking forward to the session next week with Terry. And I also want to say that Thursday we have the, the discussion with the live stream team, the stream team, as I call them. Dang is there, Jorge, and a few other people from across the world. Please join us and really welcome you interacting with us as we cover the same subject again, but in a different way from a global perspective and what people think across the world from those different parts of the world. Terry, I'm going to, I'm going to just um, keep quiet for a minute and let you have some final thoughts on this. Well, I was already thinking about next week. Uh, if, if, you're, if you're planning to join us next week, think about this. How do you define engagement? And how would you measure engagement in your organization? And where are your problem spots? Like, contractors or temps or summer help or interns or something like that, you know, that you have trouble getting engaged. So think about that. What is engagement? How do you measure it? And where are your problem spots? Bring those to us next week and, and let's uh, let's try to address some of those very specific things over there. The, the word engagement, I was telling Sonny earlier, it's kind of replaced motivation, you know, for, from what I'm hearing from my clients out there. They don't ask me to come in and be a motivational speaker anymore. They ask me to come in and tell, teach them how to get their employees engaged in their safety program and I, I think it's an I think it's first of all an excellent term uh, uh, depending on how you want to define it but uh, think about that and bring those thoughts bring those thoughts to you to us next week and let's talk about them there and, and I've got one more thing to push as a bonus thing and that is if any of you out there want to talk about a topic that you're really 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 keen on I encourage you to not only drop me a line at live at redrisks.com, but also come on the show. Join us, be a part of the stream, and take part in it. So Chris, Dang, everybody, whoever's on there, join us, take part, and we look forward to that. Terry, as always, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom, your knowledge. Oh. Um, it's a real pleasure. Great to be with you, Sonny. And and uh, you're between our two. There, I, I think we've uh, pretty well covered the gambit of what's out there in the world and and some of the challenges like that. Not that we don't have more to learn, but uh, we can. By the way, Sonny and I have a, a list of topics that you want to know about, but you may not know that you want to know about them yet. <laughs> if you send them in to us, we know you want to know about them, so they go to the top of the pile. Yeah, I mean the most important. Uh, there's a comment coming. The most important people are the audience. Uh, Terry and I are merely facilitators. You make the show. If you want us to talk about something, you tell us, and we'll do our best to include it. And, of course, come on the show as well. Terry, thank you. And uh, I will catch you next weekend for a very uh, exciting show. But other than that, speak to you soon. And uh, catch up. Best wishes for everyone out there. Thanks. Bye, everyone. Take care. Till Thursday. All the best.